Today on State Sweep's Priorities Podcast from Scoop News Group, crypto mayors need to think differently about what their support means. There is a level of responsibility that I'm not necessarily sure a lot of mayors that are proponents of crypto and so publicly proponents of crypto are, are really taking into consideration. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world and learn about the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. The former secretary of Maryland's IT department is pleading guilty to charges surrounding a bribery and extortion scheme. Isabel Fitzgerald, who led the state's IT department from 2013 to 2015, admitted in federal court that she accepted bribes to direct IT contracts to certain vendors. Fitzgerald faces a maximum of 10 years in prison. A vast majority of city and county CIOs expect IT budgets to increase in the next year, say new survey results from CompTIA's Public Technology Institute. Local government leaders say the need for additional cybersecurity resources and continuing pandemic recovery will contribute to that expected increase. California has a new CIO, Liana Bailey Crimmins, who until now was the state's CTO, will take the top IT job. She'll report to former state CIO Amy Tong, who's now the director of the state's government operations agency. California's deputy CIO, Russ Nichols, who served as interim state CIO, will stay on board. You can read these stories and more at statescoop.com. You'll also find links in today's show notes. There you can also find Statescoop's special report on emerging technology, which chronicles how state and local IT leaders are approaching new tech in a positive and negative way. Bitcoin has dropped by more than half in the month since many city leaders publicly expressed interest, support, and investment in cryptocurrency. Some cities, like Philadelphia, have stepped away from the emerging tech, while others, like Fort Worth, Texas, are diving in deeper. Tonanson Carmona is a Brookings Institution fellow. She's been critical of city's approach to cryptocurrency. She tells Statescoop's Benjamin Freed that cryptocurrency's volatility presents big risks to local governments. Uh, Well, as we've seen, there seems to be uh, a lot of chaos. (laughs) revolving around the crypto spaces right now. And at least one of the arguments that I make is that before embracing cryptocurrencies, local leaders should really ask themselves three important questions. You know, first, what problems are we trying to solve? And more importantly, why? Can or should cryptocurrencies solve these problems? And are the risks greater than the benefits? And could these problems be solved without cryptocurrencies? And The reason these questions are important is because we should want our government officials to take a human-centered approach in policymaking, to actually listen to their constituents and work to better understand their constituents' needs and pain points. But it seems that with cryptocurrencies, uh, mayors, local leaders are right now trying to find a problem to solve with cryptocurrencies. They're trying to find a use case for cryptocurrencies. They're also romanticizing and glamorizing the space without really thinking through the fact that there are actually a host of drawbacks, risks related to cryptocurrencies in the first place. So, you know, a lot of us already know that they're notoriously volatile. So in terms of making for a a payment method or making daily transactions, like cryptocurrencies are a poor use for that. Um, But then they're also slow, they can be expensive. They're not necessarily universally accepted all over the place. And so even, you know, who you can uh, <laughs> trade and, and, and make payments with cryptocurrencies would, would, would definitely be um, limited. But then there's this other factor of just even the underlying technology itself, which is uh, it, it does have a lot of operational risks, such as bugs or potential for cyber attacks 
It's also very inefficient, it's complex. And I think really importantly, as we're seeing now uh, where a lot of the value of cryptocurrencies are plunging, there's also a, a lack of consumer protections in this space. Right. Along with the typical, you know, at least as we've like heard around the news, like it's it's rife with scams, frauds, hacks, and all sorts of things. Yeah. So we get back to the technology. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad you 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 brought it back to that because when we talk when we talk about any city or state government on this on this on this show on state scoop implementing a new technology it's usually in the framework there's always there's generally a framework of what problem is this solving and with cryptocurrency have these mayors have they actually identified a problem that they're trying to solve it, that that's a great question because it's not necessarily clear you know i've heard um on the one hand uh, mayors express excitement about the potential just broadly so that i think the fact that that's abstract it's not necessarily clear what that even means like it has potential for innovation and they use a lot of buzzwords and then on the other hand you know you do find um some some mayors got excited uh at least at the, the u.s conference of mayors um uh, you know, they got excited about the potential for maybe building wealth or making transactions or um, its potential to, to serve um, financial inclusion efforts. And, and none of that actually seems to be clear at the moment. So, I, yeah, in terms of the utility for public service, for its constituents, they haven't quite found that yet. Um, so, so far, it's just been a lot of hype and promotion of crypto just broadly. Um, which one could argue that, that that creates its own set of problems because if the only utility for cryptocurrencies is to engage in speculation, then that's essentially encouraging residents to just engage in speculation. We've seen a few mayors try to set examples. Uh, the you know the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, he entered office saying he was going to take he was going to convert his first three paychecks into um, Bitcoin and Ethereum. The mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez, who's really kind of led the pack on this, uh, said, I think as recently as last month, he's still converting some part of his salary into Bitcoin. Uh, just based on recent events, I think it's safe to say they've probably both lost a lot of money recently. In, in being so public about buying cryptocurrency with their salaries, what sort of example are they setting? probably not the best example in that there is a, a certain level of trust that people have on their, that people place on their public servants and their, the public servants' words. Um, they are in government roles. And so, you know, I, I could see several scenarios where residents actually misconstrue the statements to believe that perhaps cryptocurrencies are already government regulated. And some surveys have indicated that misconception. Um, and so I, there is a level of responsibility that I'm not necessarily sure a lot of mayors that are, that are proponents of crypto and so publicly proponents of crypto are, are really taking into consideration. Um, and particularly the, the most vulnerable um, might take these messages and think, oh, this, you know, cryptocurrencies are safe or not really understand what exactly they are intended to do, but take the word of their elected officials put their money into it. And then next thing you know, you know, the value plunges and they lose everything. And so 
we still have a lot of uh, work to do to figure out who exactly is being impacted by all of this. But at the very least, where the technology stands is nowhere near a lot of the aspirational claims, the potential that everyone claims. And so truly mayors and other local leaders should be a bit more cautious when it comes to the technologies that they're uh, supporting. And yet the innovation argument does seem to be pretty strong still. Um, you know, I, I, we also saw last month that the city of Fort Worth, Texas, uh, maybe this make, maybe goes a step beyond what some of the other cities have done, actually had Bitcoin mining machines installed in City Hall. Is there any part uh, of the, you know, of the innovation side of this that can be separated from all of the financial messiness of it? I think it's possible if, you know, local leaders maybe take a step back and start to think through, again, first trying to think through the, the problems that they're trying to solve and then identifying the solution. Because in some cases, it may very well be that a policy solution is required instead of a technology one. But if it is a tech-based tech solution, does it have to be cryptocurrencies or blockchain or whatever? Um, and and maybe they, they, they will land on that as part of their due diligence, but I think the first part is to conduct that due diligence to really confirm that at least at the tech level, the technology can do what people purport it, it can do. And then on the other side too, it's there also seems to be a lot of claims regarding the broader economic benefits. Um, and a lot of places have actually found that those broader economic benefits that are touted by crypto proponents, they're actually overstated. So, you know, you just take mining, for example, places like um, the state of Kentucky and you know, the lawmakers there wanted to replace jobs that were lost when coal mines and other fossil fuel businesses shut down. So they decided to provide tax incentives to attract Bitcoin mining facilities. But those tax incentives cost taxpayer dollars. And the way that they were able to reason through this was that it was going to lead to more jobs. But they later found that Bitcoin mining actually provides minimal jobs. In some places, it was maybe five to 10 full-time jobs uh, per mining facility. Uh, and when you actually look back at Kentucky, what the coal mining jobs used to be, it was around 6,000 people who were employed per mine. So 6,000 versus five to 10 jobs, it really just doesn't like justify um, that, that line of reasoning. And so like you kind of have to go through that exercise for each of these kinds of like claims. Yeah. The machines that Fort Worth is, is running now, they were donated by a group called the Texas Blockchain Council. And the head of that group told me that they donated and installed the machines. There was no upfront cost to the city of Fort Worth. If you talk to a city like Miami, where they have the Miami coin program, you'll hear that all of those coins are mined by private individuals and a share of a share of that money goes to an account in the city's name. You know, there's, there's kind of a, an argument from the industry that, well, this is, this is free money for the city. Um, do you buy that? <laughs> free money argument. Um, yeah. So on the one hand, I, you know, I do think, and maybe this is more like the skeptical lens. Like I, I, I get nervous when someone says something's free. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> is it truly free? Does it come at a cost? And so like, I, I do think there is just a level of just, you know, make sure like, again, that there's due diligence that is 
being conducted for a lot of these things. And, and maybe at the end of the day, city leaders decide they wanna take that free money. But I really do think it's worth just asking, what is the cost? If it's not money per se, like what is the cost and to who at any point? Because um, I think about you know the, the Miami Point example, Yes, they received um, $5 million, and I think that's great, but what about maybe potential Miami residents or others who put their money into the coin is that like, and the value plummeted like below 93, 95% at a certain point, and they lost their money. Um, and, and so I, I just think that a lot of what's happening right now is just this kind of excitement with the hype and the marketing that people aren't really kind of thinking through the longer term costs to a lot of these types of projects. And, and that's the thing that I think I always kind of go back to is at least think through who's being impacted, how they're being impacted, what does this mean for residents specifically? Because a lot of the push seems to come from private sector investors and it seems to also benefit private investors versus say residents. I'm glad we brought it back there uh, because it does connect back to uh, talk about financial inclusion. Uh, you know, I think one example that recently ha- that, that recently happened, um, the city of Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot and uh, some other officials just uh, cut the ribbon on a new office for FTX, one of the big crypto exchanges. And I guess that was coupled with a, a program where uh, some, a, a group of low, of low income residents are going to receive um, uh, a mo- monthly payments, but it's kind of tied into FTX's system. You used to work for the city of Chicago. You know, what are your thoughts on you know that event and just the broader argument that that uh, cryptocurrency is creating financial inclusion? Yeah, well, in terms of the broader event, I just thought the timing was interesting, given the fact that when the event was held and, and people were excited about the new opening it was also a day when you saw it was kind of a more recent crypto crash and, and values are plunging across the board and then tied with that was this argument that the products that they were going to use is going to also promote financial inclusion or equity for the most marginalized including the unbanked and underbanked um, and I think that to me is just a really worrisome argument, given where the technology currently stands like in its stage of development. So one concept that I always kind of um, think about when it comes to arguments about access is this idea of predatory inclusion. And it's one where sociologists and other scholars like Chessie McMillan Cotton and Kianga Yamada Taylor, Lee Seamster, have talked about it from the perspective that you know, when communities that have historically been excluded from certain products, goods, and services are all of a sudden given access, that access can sometimes come with conditions that compromise the benefits, conditions that reproduce insecurity for the very same communities that they're they're purporting to support. And so, you know, some examples have come in the form of, you know, for-profit colleges or subprime loans and, or even um, payday loans. And so I see the link between cryptocurrency and predatory inclusion is that proponents argue that crypto will lead to financial inclusion via maybe payment options for the unbanked, the poor, or even immigrants. But that access comes at a cost and conditions such as volatility, 
you know, other risks such as the complexity or a space that is rife with scams, frauds, and hacks. Like these are people that cannot afford to lose that money or need to rely on the stability of the value that they that they initially put in. And so, you know, the, these people could eventually lose the money, the wealth, um, while others are possibly profiting from that very position. Tonantzin Carmona, a fellow at the Brookings Institution. You can read more about her and cryptocurrency on statescoop.com as part of this month's special report on emerging tech. There are links in today's show notes. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review or a rating on the podcast page. They make it more likely that more people will find the show. This podcast is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney and Carlin Fisher helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening.